Support for this podcast comes from Smartwater. Want to get a little more from every sip? Smartwater Alkaline doesn't just taste crisp and pure. It's loaded with everything you need to perform at your best, whether you're running marathons or boardroom meetings. Elevate how you hydrate and pick up a Smartwater Alkaline today. To learn more, visit drinksmartwater.com. Podcast with the Liberty Ballers Network. I am your host, Deal Royster. Chill ride, chill vibes as always. Recording this podcast on Sunday. Two things we won't know. We won't know the outcome of the Super Bowl at the time of my recording this podcast. Also won't know what happens on The Bachelor, which is tomorrow, which is Monday. So we won't know what's going on there. And it's a damn shame because I got Steve Lippman on the podcast. He's uh, he's part of the gastroenteritis blues. And one of the things that they talk about on that podcast sometimes with Emily is, you know, The Bachelor. So, Steve, uh, where where are you with The Bachelor this season? How are you feeling? What are you liking? Who is is Matt James kind of like, you know, white toast? Is he kind of boring? boring. Like Boring, yes. Uh, first of all, first of all, thanks for having me on, Adio. I always love talking to you. Um, I will say a few things. Yes, Matt James is is a total dial tone. I wish that he had a personality. Seriously. Um, also, on the gastroenteritis blues this week, Monday, so the day before this one comes out, uh, we talked to Zach Clark, who won the Bachelorette uh, and is now engaged to Tasha Adams. So that's a sort of Bachelorette bachelor franchise sort of thing i think that as a viewer of the show i think we'll all miss queen victoria whether you loved her or hated her i think that she definitely is good television but now there's this big face-off with um what is it mj and jessenia what do you think is going to happen there i just want matt to just drop drop them both just drop them both similar to what he did with anna and victoria like that they they both need to just go like Smooth. I mean, I want smoothness. It's, it's reminiscent of uh, Bennett and Noah from the Bachelorette season when they had this big face-off. And nobody ends up looking good in these, you know. Like, I feel like it's really hard to come out on the on the good end of those. But I don't know. Hey, wh- who do you pick in the Super Bowl tonight? What do you have? Uh, I got I got Kansas City, mm-hmm. and <laughs> honestly, between between Andy Reid's son who uh, got involved in a DUI accident and just the overall stench of Tom Brady. I have literally no rooting interest in the Super Bowl whatsoever. That plus yeah. the fact that, you know, the NFL blackballed Colin Kaepernick and somehow, some way Eric Bieniemy still does not have a head coaching job in this league. I have major problems with the NFL as a whole. So, it, you know, it, as you should, as you it, should. Yeah. It, it's it's an absolute problem. Um, speaking of problem, there's uh, the uh, all-star game in the NBA. I want to get your take on that real quick before we get into the real thing. Oh, we're uh, oh we're gonna get to that. We are going oh, to good. get to that on this podcast. But first of all, I did want to talk about your Kyle Lowry position that you wrote about sure. last week. I'm of the mindset right now that if it ain't broke, you don't really need to fix anything. Right. As of the win against Brooklyn the team is 17 and 7 they're game and a half up on the Milwaukee Bucks so I I don't really feel the need to tinker but like there are some including you that disagree and Kyle Lowry like I'm one 
this is an interesting possibility. So I'm wondering how you came about this. So uh, first of all, I want to say your position is totally fair and probably the majority position about this. Like, I think I wrote in the piece that like, if you're a Sixers fan being like, if it's not broke, don't fix it. Like things are good. I feel good. Like I'm not interested in like a hypothetical thing. I think that's totally fair. They're leading the East. They're 10 games over 500. You know, they beat the teams on their schedule. And the one time they had a real test was the Lakers and they won that game. Um, I don't know about you. I was hoping that I, I wish that KD and Kyrie would have been healthy for the game over the weekend, because I re- would have loved to see how the Sixers stack up against a team like that. Uh, it would have been really a, nice. It would have been yeah. really nice to see how they really stack up against like the team that, you know, a lot of people are saying, okay, this team might go to the Eastern conference finals. I, yeah. I don't know how they're going to do it with negative defense, but you know, that's just me. Yeah. No, I mean, that's, that's obvious. I think that right now they have like the best offense and the worst defense ever. And uh, <laughs> both of those things are, are coming true and we'll just see what happens. I mean, the Sixers took care of business the other night. Um, and the real question for me going forward, you know, if you project out, Embiid looks like an MVP. Uh, Simmons, I think, over the last few weeks has looked so much better. Like, I think he had a really bad start to the year, but I think he's picked it up a lot. Um, Tobias Harris has been sort of a metronome the whole season, just doing exactly what he does in an efficient way. Um, and my question is, do they have enough wing scoring when they get to the playoffs? Uh, and I tend to think that since their primary initiator Simmons won't shoot in a half court setting um, and he generates tons of offense. This isn't, you know, uh, bashing on Ben Simmons thing. It's really just, are they going to be one guy short and what kind of guy would that be? And to me, it would be a guy who can dribble and pass and shoot from the outside. And Lowry represents sort of a half measure in that way where they don't have to give up a ton of stuff, but it wouldn't be a second round pick for him. Like, you know, somebody like PJ Tucker or Nemanja Bielitsa, you know, he's a, he's a ranking above that, but you're certainly not breaking up the core of the team. And it should be noted. Um, Lowry does, he's an expiring, correct? Yes, he is. So I, so I definitely feel like he is more gettable compared to like Bradley Beal or Zach Levine or any one of a hundred names that have been thrown out on uh-huh. various sites, including Liberty Ballers. Right. But um, do you think Toronto is in that spot where they're just like, all right, let's just pack it in, get what we can for Lowry and rebuild around Siakam? You know, here, here's what would have to happen. Right now, Toronto, I think, is three games under 500, which is, I think, a tick up. They started out even worse than that, and I think they've been playing better lately. What would have to happen is Masai Ujiri would have to say, okay, I don't think we have a shot at the title this year, which, you know, right now I'm sure they're either on the outside looking in or right on the fringe of the playoff picture. Um, so maybe they he says are that. currently tied for the eight seed with Charlotte right now at 10 and 13. There you go. So maybe he says that and it would take, to, you know, cause the other thing about Lowry is that he's the best player in Raptors history. So he's their sort of franchise icon. They won a title with him. I think that if the two of them decide that they're okay with Kyle, going to chase a ring elsewhere and the Sixers come interested, then I could see it. But, you know, there is also a scenario where they both say, I'd rather him just retire in the Toronto Jersey. But in this case, it's like the Raptors decide he's not coming back next year because he'll go someplace else to try to get a ring. Right. Uh, He's 35. 
And let's say, you know, Lowry wants to play at home, which is in Philly. Uh, this would be a move for the Raptors to do right by him and get something back for him. And there is some history between Kyle Lowry and current general manager, Dale Morey. Like Morey was high on Lowry when he was with the Houston Rockets. Yeah. So uh, uh, Morey, when he was in Houston, traded for Kyle Lowry. Uh, I'm just looking up what year that was. Cause Kyle Lowry had a very bad reputation when he was younger, when he was in Memphis, I think he had a bad reputation in the locker room. And in 2008, 2009 season, Maury brought him into Houston and he really made a name for himself there. Uh, he became a, a really solid, I think, person off the court and a, a really good contributor to a team. And then from Houston, he went to Toronto and, and, you know, Lowry has talked very glowingly of, uh, Maury and of Sam Hinkie in the past for bringing him in and treating him the way they did. So there is an existing relationship both ways. On the court, Lowry definitely does a lot of what the Sixers have seemed to be missing in their half-court offense. He can create offense, he can shoot, he can defend. Um, dive into a little bit like how Kyle Lowry on this current core would kind of look. Would, would Simmons... Like, what, what would Simmons be doing in uh, Kyle Lowry-led offense? What would Embiid be doing? And I figure, you know, Seth Curry and Danny Green would kind of be doing the same thing they're doing now, but, you right. know. You know, really what, what it ends up becoming is that Lowry is uh, a guard who grades out pretty well as both a ball handler and somebody off the catch who can make shots. So when Simmons is on the court, sometimes they use Simmons as a screener, and they would obviously both start together and you can use Lowry running pick and rolls with Simmons either in the dunker spot or in the corner or as a screener. Uh, when Simmons rests, you know, whatever 15 minutes Simmons rests per game, you keep Lowry out there and he just runs point for the team. Uh, and in the meantime, you know, he can, this year he's in the 98th percentile shooting off of a handoff. He's above average shooting spot up. Uh, as a pick and roll ball handler, he grades out uh, excellent. This is all per synergy. Um, so yeah, I think that he's a pretty versatile offensive player. And even though he's small, I think that defensively you can do a lot with him because he's so strong and uh, you can't move him very much. And he's not a crazy liability defensively. He's not like, you know, no. JJ Redick or something like that. And, you know, Kyle Lowry does that, those like, old man at the YMCA type defensive moves. You know, he just, he's just a pest and gets in people's ways, gets charged, gets offensive fouls called. Just, he is another one of those guys where it's just like, damn it, I hate it when we're playing Kyle Lowry because I hate it when he does this to the Sixers. But then again, if he's on the team, then you're like, Kyle Lowry, that's my homie right there. That, oh, yeah. There you go. In the same way that like Marcus Smart, you know, we hate playing Marcus Smart, but we would love him if he was in Philly. Uh, Joel Embiid is that guy for a lot of teams. <laughs> Joel Embiid is that guy for a lot of teams because he draws so many fouls. And, uh, you know, Lowry is one of those really smart players who knows how to uh, sort of work his way through the league, even though he was undersized and he became what he is. So I see the skill set as a really good fit on this team for what, they could theoretically need at uh, next month's trade deadline. The sudden emergence of Fred Van Fleet, Van Vliet, Van Fleet, however you pronounce his name. Um, mm -hmm. Is that something that could maybe push the Raptors to be like, okay, let's move on from Kyle Lowry and really transition this into Fred's team. Could that affect his value at all? 
I mean, yeah, I mean, they they just signed Fred to that big contract. Fred was like the prize free agent last summer or whenever that season was. I don't know. Uh, the summer is hard to I don't even know what month it is. Uh, but, uh, it uh, is uh, the, the current month is February of 2027. That's what I'll, I'll like. believe you. I'll believe you. On that. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, I could you know, they certainly have a lead guard who they feel confident in in Van Vliet. And, you know, Lowry as a you know, he's going to be, I believe, 35 next month and his contract expires at the end of the year. So it really is just now when I also saw some of, uh, you know, some readers responding with is that we could just sign Lowry to like the mid-level exception or do a sign and trade in the offseason. And I think that's absolutely a good idea. And, you know, as a sort of buy low, he wouldn't cost a lot of money. That's a good idea. But Embiid is in the middle of an MVP season. And this is a question of, Will Maury and company feel like they need to go for it in this way before the end of this season to capitalize on the window that Embiid has opened? And the money to get Lowry right now as an expiring, Lowry makes $30 million, so you have to equal that. And the trade that you propose in this piece is Danny Green, Mike Scott, and some other low-salary guys, one of whom might have to be Matisse Thibel. So yeah, here's where you get into it. So the Sixers actually do have a, a number of like tradable contracts from guys that, you know, they could put together. I, I love Danny. I think he's been really great for this team and he's always in the right place and he makes enough shots. And uh, But if you had to do this deal, you could throw Danny and like uh, Vincent Poirier and Terrence Ferguson, you know, guys that aren't getting minutes, but are in that sort of two to three million range. The question is like, would you give up a Thibel in this trade? Uh, from a value standpoint, I can definitely see where that doesn't look good. You know what I mean? Like Thibault, especially lately, I think, I don't know about you. I think Thibault has been excellent lately on defense. He's been. Thibault has at, looked, Thibault has looked much more like he did last season than the last right. week. Right. He got off to a weird start. He hurt his ankle and there was barely any training camp and barely any preseason. Uh, you know, he still isn't contributing much at all on offense, but it, the way his defense looks certainly would make me hesitate as far as uh, including him here. Um, but it really is like the value proposition of keeping a guy like Thibel, who is very talented, but limited, but limited, but on a cheap contract or feeling like you're a Kyle Lowry away from winning a title. And I think that's a hard question to answer. And you have, you would have Lowry for this championship run and then bring him back for whatever mid-level exception. I don't know if he's, I don't know if he chases a ring for an MLE, like maybe he does, especially if it's, if he actually, let me reverse my position. If he gets signed to an MLE by his hometown Sixers, I can see him doing that. I don't know right. what other teams I see him doing that for. Yeah. You know, you never know when, when guys reach the stage that Lowry's at and Lowry's interesting because he did win a ring, you know, he's he already not a has a ring. Win. So it's not like right. he has to do extensive ring chasing. You know, some it people are always different in this way. Like sometimes they will decide geographically, this is the city where I want to be in to end my career, right? Uh, or they want to want to end the storybook ending, which would be Lowry back in in Philly. You know, he's from North Philly. Uh, who knows? You know, he could just have. You know, maybe he's got maybe he's friends with Kawhi Leonard and Paul George and wants to team up with them and take a discount so he can play with them. That's all of those. I think would probably be on the table. 
I mean, listen, even even Allen Iverson wanted one final run in Philly before he hung it up. I'm just saying that's what don't people that's what just being, pretend that's that what never being happened in this town. That's what being in this town does to a person. Isn't it so strange? People pretend that like 2009 Iverson thing never happened. He played <laughs> how many games did he play here? Like everybody says that AI's last Sixers game was when he got traded in like 06. But he came back. And uh, it was a strange thing because then he just went back away. He came back in 2009 and just no one remembers that happened. It's, it's it like was the, so strange. It's like those movie sequels where you just like kind of forget they're in the franchise. So it, it, I looked it up. It's 2009, 2010. He was 34. He played 25 games with the Sixers. Uh, he shot 41% from the field, 33% from three. He averaged 14 points and four assists. I mean, again, this is a, like an apparition. People, people sort of pretend this never <laughs> happened. But it was a second tour of duty for Iverson in, uh, in Philly. No, that definitely happened. I was at a couple of games when that happened, as a matter of fact. Everybody was so excited, even though, it, I mean, <laughs> these teams were like, was this Eddie Jordan era? I don't know. But the, these teams were like the Drew Holiday, Iguodala teams. And, uh, and, and this is AI came right in. I think it was like pre-Show You Love era, I think. Yeah, definitely. Like maybe the year before that. And then, you know, Spencer Hawes and all those guys. Anyway. Yes, because that, that playoff run was 2012, the Uncut Gems playoff run. Right. <laughs> yeah. This team has looked much, much better this season compared to last season. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the, the loss to the Trailblazers, notwithstanding, like that was, that was just a weird loss. And they, it was a they trap followed game. up. It was a trap game. And they yeah. followed up by beating Brooklyn. And Portland is undermanned, and we'll we'll start it this way. It's just been a weird. It's just been a strange, strange season, like overall. Very, very strange. I mean, last week, I guess it was Friday. You get the. Uh, I don't know about you. I get these like Woj alerts, so I get a a, uh, a tweet that's Woj saying Kevin Durant is out for the game tonight because of uh, health and safety protocols. I go okay. Uh, Ten minutes later. Uh, Kevin Durant has been cleared. He's going out there and he comes off the bench because he was declared out. And then he came off the bench. I go, okay. And then 20 minutes after that, Kevin Durant is out because of health and safety. Like, can we figure it out guys where, where we're not doing this because you just put him on the court to interact with his teammates and the opposing team. And now you're saying what you originally thought was true was true. It didn't make any sense to me. You know, one of the, one of my favorite tweets when this kind of thing happens, it comes from Kyle Newbeck, Philly voice. It's just a photo of Drew Carey from whose line is it anyway? And it's just superimposed. <laughs> and it just says the NBA COVID rules <laughs> where it's all, where it's all made up and the points don't matter. Yes. That's exactly, that's the that's way to put precisely it. what this feels like. Yeah. Um, what is the, what is, do you even know what the NBA COVID rules are anymore? Cause I have no effing clue. I have no clue. How, like, I mean, you know, Seth Curry uh, got COVID and, and honestly, it seems like he's still recovering from that in some ways and uh, all the best for him. But when he got COVID, some members of the team were deemed close contacts and other members of the team were not. Like, how are we deciding who in the locker room where they're not wearing masks and are in the locker room, like who in the locker room is a close contact? And, and, you know, obviously there was that sham game against Denver 
where, oh, wow, how about this? Just enough players were cleared to yeah. play the game. I mean, it was yeah. just like such bald, you know, BS from the league to try to push that through. And, you know, that was really like the first one of these. And then after that, they started postponing all these kind of games. And I get it. I was talking to Tom about this on an earlier podcast. It was maybe like a month or two ago. And we were talking about the start of the season and just how what his thoughts were on doing the NBA schedule regularly, like traveling Mm -hmm. and close quarters all like that. And just thinking to ourselves, okay, let's just do the bubble again and just do it for all 72 games. And his main point is actually might've been Sean too, but his main point was for a short period of time, what it was last season, that's okay. But right. asking these guys to like do it from December until May or June, like that's, that's rough on a guy's mentals. Right. The players association would never agree to that. You know um, I think that a lot of guys have talked about how difficult the bubble was, you know, as things started to happen and during COVID, which is obviously a stressful time. And then, the shooting of Jacob Blake by the police. I mean, all of these things really coalesce to make that a very emotional experience. And I think a lot of guys would not sign up for a like six or four month bubble. Like guys want to live their lives. And and I'm sure what they would say is if it's that dangerous, we shouldn't be playing, you know, like if, if we really cannot do this without sealing ourselves in Disneyland, then it's probably not a good idea. And I've said this about the NBA. I've said this about the NFL. Like, if you're really going to do travel and whatnot, and baseball too, because MLB was they, – they didn't dodge this bullet either. Like, the, the NHL last season probably handled it best outside of the NBA. But uh-huh. now that the NHL is back to traveling, like, you're seeing their numbers spike all over the place. And the NBA has spikes going all over. <laughs> it's just – a uh, it just seems so unorganized a lot of times now, and there's no clear uh, there's no clear structure as far as like rules, what you're allowed to do, what you're not allowed to do, what happens if you test positive. Somehow you're still you're cleared to play. Like it just all of it is just makes no sense. They're holding all of this together with bubble gum and duct tape. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Yeah, I mean, I, uh, you know, on one hand, I do get that if these guys decide to play and the league decides to play and they agree to terms, like they should be allowed to play. This is their adults. They get to make their own decisions. Um, From the league's perspective, they needed to have a better structure for how things would go. Like, absolutely agree. If you are not doing a bubble, you are accepting that there will be positive tests. You need to know what the plan is when there are positive tests. And also, you need to ensure that you aren't getting results mid-game, at which point the test results, like it's too late to do anything preventative. Um, so yeah, I think that I, I'm not shocked at, at you know, there being numbers because this is a highly transmissible uh, pand- or, uh, uh, virus. virus. Virus, yeah. Um, but what 
has seemed like the biggest mistake has been the league being at first hesitant to postpone games when they even just rolled out the first half of the schedule at, at alone before the second half, because there were going to be postponements. Uh, and then to just not have a coordinated schedule and plan for what happens when somebody is a close contact or positive. Uh, I think it, it, it's been a bit of a mess and I hope that they continue to get better at it. How is this not the first sentence of the COVID protocols? Right. If, you are, if you are suspected to have come into contact with someone with coronavirus and you are tested, if you are tested, you are not clear to play, period. When right. the test comes back negative, cool, fine. But if we suspect, if anyone suspects that you are COVID positive, you are pulled, you are tested, you are put away from everybody. That should be rule number one. Not this like, okay, we're going to test you, but we're going to allow you to play. But then, holy crap, he came back, he came back positive or suspect. We got to pull him 20 minutes into a game. Like, that makes no sense. Right. I mean, or, or if, if an active player tests positive, that team shuts it down for a week. Like, don't worry about I'm okay about, with that too. Yeah. Like, just shut it down. Figure out who has it. If it's a false positive, that's a great outcome. And you find out, you know, and then you do more thorough testing. But uh, they should just shut them down because you don't actually know who got it at that stage of the game. Because there are times that, you know, at the very beginning where you could have it, that it doesn't show up on a test just yet. And by the time it does, you've given it to three more teams. This was posted by Dan Feldman at NBC Sports. Um, this was dated February 3rd. And this was after 37 positive COVID tests in two weeks. Are you kidding me? Like, wow, you're just not you're just not handling this right right now. And yeah. we're now we're going to talk about this all star game that you mentioned at the beginning of the podcast. Um, flat out, there should not be an all star game. Flat out, period. It's, end of story. That's it. That is my so position. It's so silly. It's so stupid. I mean, we're postponing games pretty regularly. Every week or two, there's a new game that can't happen because of COVID. So they're going to add a game where all these different players come from their own markets and come into one place to play a game to make a bunch of money. Like that is so bald and like embarrassing, honestly, that they would even try to do this in this year when it's like, you know, you, you need to cut out the, the non-essential things, you know, like we're not doing 10 regular season games also cut out the all-star game. It's so silly. I mean, a guy like LeBron being as sort of a, uh, uh, blatant about his his denial of of this needing to happen i think that that's pretty interesting and and that is something that the league would listen to i don't know if it would change anything you know Giannis said the same thing i don't know but uh it, it certainly makes you wonder if anything will change between now and then here's my here's my thought behind it the all-star game to me has always been seemingly more about the fans and mm -hmm. the fan experience am i right correct so if you're not going to be able to have fans in the stands why even have this it just makes no sense i mean it's like it's so silly and 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 you know i'm sure i know that they'll get a bunch of ad revenue by airing it on on national tv and and that would be like a big deal for them but it just seems like how do you pretend to have player safety at the top of mind and add a game like this, which is not even between two teams. It's between, 
you know, like whatever, 17 different teams are going to have players in this game. It's like, but I mean, you know, like, honestly, it's so dangerous. When's the last time you personally watched an all-star game to, from start to finish? I oh, watched maybe like a quarter. Ago, yeah. I watched maybe a quarter and like, that's it. Once they start bringing the, the subs in, unless one of the subs is Ben Simmons, like I don't really care about watching the all-star game. I agree. I'm, or the last two minutes when they, when they start trying and playing defense and all that. I mean, exactly. Uh, you know, and, and certainly name a team. I think everybody's excited to know who's an all-star and, and, you know, that kind of stuff matters. It matters on players like hall of fame resumes and all that, but there's just no reason for the game other than the league trying to make a few dollars. And uh, it's pretty embarrassing. And that's my, that was the other point that I was going to bring up. I get that like there are things having to do with legacy for certain players like LeBron making his infinity amount of all-star games, whatever. Some people have it in their contracts. Like if they're named to an all-star team, they get a bonus. Fine. Name who's on the team. Give these guys that weekend off or that six or those five, six days, whatever, and just keep it moving. Like just give them the time off. Do let them do what they need to do. Rest, visit, close family where there is no suspicion of coronavirus that's all fine there's your all-star break that's your all-star weekend post all the crazy dunks on tiktok that you want to that's what i want to see that's all that that's all that matters i totally agree i mean there are no contract bonuses for like scoring over 20 points in the all-star game like none of it actually matters like it's just fluff it's filler like the whole all-star weekend is all sort of exhibition stuff for the sake of it to highlight the league stars and you don't really need to do that and you know i think i think it was Giannis that brought up that like he was looking forward to seeing his family during all-star break like right there's a lot going on and you know if people can see their family in a safe way you would hope that they would be encouraged to do that but i'm sure if they make the team they will feel obligated to be there and of course it's an honor to make the team but it, it seems so unnecessary and that they put the players in a tough position with that Here's what the NBA could also do with that few days off or weekend that the, that there are no games and like a flat out all-star break. Uh, you can figure out your COVID protocol situation because that's not perfect. Right. And the other thing, you know what bothers me more than anything is that like they'll say uh, proceeds from this game will go to blank, pick a charity. And it's like, that is stupid and they are they think they they think that we're stupid and that we'll read that and we'll be like well then if it was for a charity you have to do it it's like the nba is sitting on piles of money every day like they just have they cannot count the money that they have if they wanted to benefit like any charity they could do it any day of the week but they want to do this so that they get your money as as ad revenue like it's right they want they want the ad they want the ad revenue tv dollars they want those people to buy more all-star jerseys that's that's what this is always about it's insulting i mean this reminds me of when you and i had that conversation about josh harris trying to build the stadium at penn's landing using taxpayer money and he was saying no 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 but all these jobs we create it's like josh we're not That's, stupid. If you want to give people jobs, Josh, go ahead. You could do it, buddy. Like, you don't need to use our money to give us jobs. Right. <laughs> so stupid. I, I don't know why NBA 
front office like figureheads. Like they just, uh, guys, we're not dumb. We're we're yeah. not dumb. We're not as dumb as we used to be. Okay. Like yeah. there's there's Google, there's the internet, there's stuff that we no, can... it's so true. I mean, if this stuff was happening 50 years ago, people nobody would be less educated. No, you, you don't know. It's hard. You know, you don't know what you don't know. So it's like now we have all of this knowledge at our fingertips, so that you know there's enough of a fan uproar, and then the the chair or the committee or whomever turned him down, turned down Josh Harris in that bid, and like you know, these things can get sort of stopped before they start and we'll see what happens with the all-star game. So after the all-star period, I'll call it the all-star period. Cause I refuse to call it the all-star game. Cause there shouldn't be uh-huh. one. Um, what's the rest of this NBA season going to look like? Do you think they would contemplate going back to a bubble situation after the all-star break? I think that the earliest that they could do anything like that is the playoffs. Mm. Uh, yeah, because I, I don't think that you, I don't know how many teams with nothing to play for or very modest hopes or expectations would commit to something like that. Teams that, you know, have a ring on their mind, you know, the top, whatever, four or five teams in each conference would be open to that, I'm sure. But I think that what you end up with is most likely it continues going as it is. Hopefully they shore up the testing and the results and, uh, all of that kind of stuff. And uh, so, yeah, I, I honestly would be surprised if there was a bubble of any sort, but I think if there was one, the earliest would probably be the playoffs. I'm not trying to sound doom and gloom about this. I will acknowledge the fact that there is some kind of vaccine rollout, like things are getting better right. in that regard and cases have been dropping except in the state of California where like things just continue to get worse and worse and worse, which is yeah crazy to think about. Cause I have a brother and a sister-in-law that live out there. Yeah. So, I mean, there are positives, but at the same time, we're still not done with this yet. We're not going to be done with this until at least fall of this season, maybe fall of this year maybe even 2022 like we're just not done with this and people need to understand that we are not done just because we forgot about coronavirus doesn't mean it's not still there right and i mean the other aspect of this and like owners of teams and the league at large being hungry for money is that the other thing that they damn sure want is fans in the stands during the playoffs and i would be shocked if this you know, the league isn't trending toward that. And, you know, you, they need data on the vaccinations and how many people are, uh, are vaccinated at the time. But I guarantee you that the league does not want to have to do another bubble and they don't want more empty arenas. So I think that their goal, you know, the league at large, their goal is to get fans in the stands for the playoffs. You want fans in the stands? Here's what you do, NBA. You can take this idea and run with it as much as you want to. Every city where there's an NBA franchise, if they're in the playoffs, you take all the healthcare workers in that city and you put them in the stands, okay? Right, because right. More or less, we're going to know that they're vaccinated. Right, we're- healthcare essential workers that have already been vaccinated can prove that they have been, uh, you can let them in. I, I, I definitely see value in that. Again, I wonder about the people working at the stadiums, working concessions and all that, like, those people need to be cared for as well. And they can't be BYOB. It'll be fine. There you go. Now I like that. BYOB. Like you bring in, 
like have this have the security dude just like check you check you in on the way in right. and uh take everybody's try, car keys and just try not to get too sloshed in between there the, you go and just try not to get too and try not to get too sloshed between the games That's i think fine. we came up with the solution here bring in whatever you want bring in the yeah. bring in the mcdonald's bring in the jim's cheesesteaks whatever doesn't matter <laughs> see we are problem solvers on this podcast we really are. network that's right <laughs> oh man steve always love having you on the podcast always fun talking to you uh real quick before i leave you i have to i have to ask you um who's your who's your choice who's getting who's getting the engagement who's who's it gonna be Ooh. I know you have your, the engagement. I know you have your mind on like one or two one or two ladies. I want names. Okay. I've got I, mine. I think I like Brie. I'm gonna go with Brie. Brie's cool. I do like Brie. Who do you have? Okay. This is just because more or less this is the kind of woman I'm attracted to and drawn to. Okay. Um Katie is so sweet. She is so Katie's sweet. great. I love Katie's Katie great. so much. I don't Listen, know that Matt has he given her much attention though. I don't. He hasn't. Like I feel like he only gives her attention when Katie is doing like the super sweet thing of like, right. "Yo, this is going on in the house. You need to stop it because this thing is. It's only going to get worse and worse and worse. This Anna Victoria situation. It's only going to get worse. This MJ right. just said anything. It's only going to get worse. Katie is my girl." I love, I love Katie. Katie. I would I would love for it to be Katie. That would be great. Katie. If you are, I don't know how she would be listening to this podcast, but if Katie's listening to this podcast for whatever reason, or you guys, because apparently y'all have the like Bachelor Nation Liberty Ballers hookup, <laughs> Katie. I don't care if you've never written a piece for Liberty Ballers. I will have you on this podcast, and we will discuss whatever the right. hell you want. I don't. I know. Care. I, I, we need to find out about some relative of Katie's who's a Philly sports fan. So we can have an excuse to interview her. She's from the Wa- She's from Washington. So there may or may not be eh, too close much. Enough. I, I, <laughs> close you enough. figured they would all, you figured they would all be like Seahawks fans and like former yeah. supersonics fans, but whatever. We, we have to figure this out. Yeah. We have to figure we this sure out. Do. Cause Katie, if Matt doesn't propose to you, I will, I will propose to you on i will record proposing to you on this podcast i'm telling wow. you that right now that talk about getting some ratings that's, that's a good ratings <laughs> <laughs> let's let's make this happen um, right. i'm in i think it sounds great <laughs> steve Lippman, liberty ballers gastroenterologist writers blues always a pleasure having you on my friend great talking to you pal thank you for having me uh stay safe stay healthy and uh yeah go sixers thank you brother and enjoy the game tonight